Welcome to Change Making Women, the podcast for women who make a difference. With Siada Bade in Dar es Salaam, Tanzania, and Marianne Clements in London, in the UK. So, hi everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Change Making Women. And hi Ziada, how are you doing? Hi Marianne, I'm good. So we have our guest this week, Janelle, and she's going to tell us where in the world she is. <laughs> and hi. Hi, Janelle. <laughs> tell us where you are. <laughs> I'm on Vancouver Island in the province of British Columbia in Canada. Well, we're podcasting over about, I don't know how many thousands of miles, a lot. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like 20,000 or something. <laughs> That's amazing. That's pretty cool, isn't it? Um, yeah. So Janelle, it's great to have you on the show. I know we've been wanting to do this for a while. So could you just introduce yourself to our listeners? I know you and I know each other a little bit and we've been mm-hmm. for a few years. But um, oh, and to Ziada too, of course. Just tell mm-hmm. us a bit about yourself. Uh, well, I guess the, the main things that feel important to me to share with most people are that I'm actually from northern Canada in the Yukon Territory mm-hmm. um, and that landscape has shaped me an enormous amount and I very much identify as a Yukoner. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm an artist mm-hmm. and I've always roamed around between using writing, painting and dance to express whatever needs to come out. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, I've been raising my daughter on my own since I was pregnant. She's now 14. Mm-hmm. And that, that shapes a lot of the choices I make and how I approach life, trying to get her grown up and safe and healthy. Uh, and then the work that I do with people, it's, it's been varied, but the themes have always been all about reconnecting people to their bodies and an ability to feel and live from the inside out rather than as uh, floating heads the way um, certainly in North American and so-called Western societies, we tend to be very invested in forgetting about our bodies and just thinking about things. Um, so I really, I think it's really important to be embodied rather than just thinking. Mm-hmm. And um and part of that is reconnecting people with their creativity and their sense of who they are and where they come from mm-hmm. beautiful to know and then um, can we unpack this idea of mm-hmm. connection to our bodies a little bit more because i think it's really interesting and um mm. but I, yeah Maybe it was very, very interesting, yeah. Yeah, so maybe, do you have particular questions, Yada, or, or, or? No, no, I was just, uh, I was just amazed by, you know, by the whole concept. Go ahead. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so what are you curious about? I, I guess my curiosity to now would be um, how, you, how you explain that to people who haven't come across the term before. So... Um, mm. you know, like what would be different 
what would be different about that way about an embodied way of doing a life mm-hmm. <laughs> or a specific thing in life oh yeah. so for example um <laughs> people that feel very little connection with their bodies which yeah. is in my experience most people because it's how we're raised certainly in north america how we're raised to be is mm-hmm. disconnected from our bodies so generally people only notice their bodies when they're in pain when they're disconnected from their bodies so pain is often the first signal or motivator for people to start tuning in and it's usually a reluctant tuning in because pain is uncomfortable it's uh, generally sort of a distancing sort of action but also bring them into a journey of seeking relief and the other way that people often notice that there there's is a feeling of something missing a feeling of disconnection or numbness or flatness uh-huh uh-huh yeah about their their lives in general yeah it translates into lives in general mm-hmm. and um often the source is, is that they're only living in their heads and so how would, how might their life then be different as they begin to develop some i guess it's well maybe tell us what 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 they might um what you might invite them into in order to be- become more embodied i think that's interesting for people if they haven't come across this kind of concept before pain is a great motivator that's what i've noticed with the hands on body work that i do and also the creative body work that i do and um and this this relates to cultural conditioning around what to pay attention to so when people are raised to ignore their bodies it has the discomfort has to get quite loud before um people tune in um because of this intense teaching that we just don't listen to our bodies so a perfect example is going through a regular school system we're taught from a very young age to stay really still we're mm-hmm. taught that movement is distracting and is not good um the curriculum has been eliminating physical education a great deal and prioritizing academics but the problem with that is that human bodies are meant to be in movement all the time right. and particularly children so so for i mean on a different tangent you don't learn very well when you're invested in trying to hold yourself still or getting right. punished for not being able to um but the other really profound lesson that starts from such a young age is that when our body speaks to us of being uncomfortable and needing to move that somehow wrong and we should learn how to hold still suppress and ignore it more and then the results are that as adults we're so good at it we're not even aware that we're doing it until something becomes so distressing and uncomfortable rather than pleasurable mhm uh, and that's usually the catalyst that moves people towards trying to figure out why do i feel frozen why do i feel flat why do i feel stiff uncomfortable why don't i feel good in my body or why don't i like my body is mm-hmm. another one mhm 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 and then we were we um were wondering like what kinds of um when people come to you or you're speaking to people who are experiencing this sense of disconnection which i definitely think i can i can relate to um what you're explaining and i certainly see it around me uh, as well in in people i know like what what kind of invitation would you 
um, give them if they're just having this realization that I'm, just, you know, that they're in this place of pain and discomfort? Mm-hmm. Um, well, generally, body work, healing work is a really good first step. Um, mm-hmm. And I've done, I've done that a lot with a form of body work called Hellerwork Structural Integration, mm-hmm. um, which is deep tissue massage and movement lessons. So, so that's a good window, seeking out guides and practitioners. Um, mm-hmm. But more importantly, movement that's pleasurable yes. is really important. You know, like getting help releasing restrictions is essential, but being able to find pleasure, especially through dance, mm-hmm. um, allowing your body to be moved by music and be moved by spontaneous exuberance mm-hmm. to be expressive in your gestures without shutting it down out of fears of how you'll look, um, mm-hmm. you know, or, or a self-critical eye being cruel Mm -hmm. Um, is really important because if you can start to feel pleasure and joy through movement the desire to keep going is much more sustainable Mm -hmm. yeah because it's fun and 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 it feels right Mm -hmm. yeah yeah and and creativity is a big part of that too so even getting people writing um, getting people painting as well as dancing or making music if that's their thing it all starts um, the process of reconnecting to this inner source of vitality mm, it sounds it, it all sounds well it sounds to me like kind of unblocking <laughs> yeah exactly. all of it. it's, yeah. All, it's all about unblocking mm. so my like the my approach is mostly we're all born whole and beautiful and very comfortable, able to be comfortable in our bodies. So of course it's possible for us to get back there again because it's never gone. It's just that we cloak ourselves in so many layers of ideas and restrictions from our, our families, from our cultures, from our lifestyles. And the unblocking is really just um, discovering all of these like big winter blankets that we've covered ourselves in until we can't move and peeling them off <laughs> until right. we find our, our core self that's always been there yeah. all along, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I am. Uh, I would say um, you have so many uh, other services, but I'm particularly um, very curious about devotional painting. Please unpack that for us. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, Devotional paintings, they just kind of came to me about three years ago, and they're really delightful to do. So a devotional painting is a process of painting that's an intuitive process, um, which really just means allowing whatever wants to come out to come out. Mm. And it's quite fun because... In order to do an intuitive painting, um, I have to set aside my ideas about what's going to be created, you know, any ideas I have about being a serious artist. Um, So combining an intuitive painting with the other parts of the devotional painting are working with someone's most 
heartfelt wish for themselves. Uh, so it's almost like a tarot card reading or a psychic mm. reading, except that it's done through the process of painting and allowing, allowing the symbolism and the intuitive guidance that comes out through the painting process um, to come out because I'm working with a specific question or prayer from a specific person, mm -hmm. everything that arises can be assumed to be of relevance to that person. So the beautiful thing is the, the painting just arises with specific colors and symbols um, and little intuitive hits. And as I'm painting, I just keep writing, writing it down. And then when I'm finished, I, I take a good amount of time to just sit with the painting, notice recurring motifs of themes or symbolism. If the symbols seem unfamiliar, looking them up and then bringing it all together into a written report that combined with the visual image offers guidance and healing to the person that asked for it. Mm. Yeah. Okay, so it's not a, like a person who actually draws it. So it's, it's so oh, I do it. You, yeah. Okay. Cause I was about to ask, what if I can draw? Uh, <laughs> you know, I want to portray my idea, but then I have uh, absolutely no clue how to draw. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, okay. if you if you wanted to do some sort of intuitive painting of your own, you don't actually need to know how to draw. It some basic techniques in color mixing help for sure. Um, but if if you just let things flow and unfold. It's quite amazing what comes out, especially when you let go of the idea of not being able to draw yeah. or needing or needing the, the drawing to look like something that makes sense. Mm. Yeah, yeah, that's interesting. And it's kind of coming back to this idea of unblocking as well, isn't it? Because I guess if yeah. you think yeah. about it, like, like art in the sort of like the sense that art should be a certain way is something we mm. we find you know we learn as we grow up like kids they draw anything and like uh -huh. my son will like draw something and he'll be like there's a car and like to me it looks like nothing like a car but to him you know exactly. that's a representation of a car mm. cool you know <laughs> it's later on that we that someone says like that doesn't look like a car <laughs> Hi, it's Marianne here and I wanted to tell you about Jijaze, the community I founded for women who want to make a real difference in the world, but do so without totally depleting themselves. In our community, we have resources to help and support you, discussions to inspire you and loads of information about how really taking care of yourself is an important part of making change happen in the world. You can find out more about how to join us by going to www.jijaze.com. That's J-I-J-A-Z-E. -E. If you click on join us, you can jump straight to the info about how to join. We're so looking forward to welcoming you to our community. Yeah, timing, timing of feedback is essential, right? If you were to tell this little kid trying, that would kind of crush them well either that absolutely, or they absolutely absolutely yeah but if yeah sorry carry on <laughs> oh yeah 
but you know, if that person then gets onto a path of wanting to improve their skills and genuinely wanting to acquire certain techniques, a little bit of feedback on how to improve goes a really long way, right? Yeah, right. But I reckon that with, particularly with things like, um, you know, drawing and painting and, you know, a lot of people have that experience of an early, you know, a teacher too, too early saying, you know, mm -hmm. you can't draw. <laughs> yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah. yeah. And then they, they kind of shut down and freeze up the impulse yeah. to draw or write or sing or whatever it is because of this stern no yeah absolutely so Janelle tell us all this interesting work that you do how did you how do you did do you come to be doing this work <laughs> uh, I don't know <laughs> it's a mystery because I definitely feel more secure with a regular job <laughs> right. sure. um it's you know I guess you could say that I'm following following the impulse my own internal impulse, which I have spent a lot of time trying to ignore my intuition and uh, creative nature, because it is really scary, especially as a single mom, to be pursuing self-employed work. But the thing is, I just haven't been able to settle down into a regular old job job because th there's this sense that I have to express and be of service creatively and, and for me the, the creative and the body um, are inseparable so so how did I come to do this work well um, everything I've studied and done has has helped me along the way develop the ideas and skills to get here mm -hmm. um, but it certainly hasn't been a straight line so I earned a bachelor's degree in anthropology mm -hmm. but like I always me. wanted <laughs> pardon like, me, oh, like <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> such an awesome field but not particularly employable no. <laughs> <laughs> unless you get your PhD which I didn't want to do <laughs> um, and I got pregnant with my daughter my last semester of my bachelor's degree. Mm -hmm. And right before I got pregnant, I'd also had this realization that I, all I'd really wanted to do was study dance and go to art school for visual arts. Mm -hmm. But I'd been too scared to put together a portfolio and audition. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. So I decided I was going to audition for dance a dance training program mm. and if you know if I didn't get accepted that was fine at least I'd tried yeah. and then I got pregnant after I s submitted all my application forms mm -hmm. so I did I did go to one of the auditions and the I wasn't visibly pregnant but I was definitely clumsier than usual mm -hmm. and the um, the admissions intake mm gal i'm not sure what her position was but yeah she said well you know i don't know if you'd actually be accepted into the undergrad program but did you know we have a master's degree of dance program you should apply to and then you could audit our dance classes without having to be graded for them for free <laughs> it's like oh wow <laughs> so i went back north 
to have my baby and I applied to do my master's degree in dance and then went to Toronto to do that and then was still trying to figure out what to do for an employed life after that and discovered the body work that I've done for a while, structural integration. Mm-hmm. And it made such a big difference to me um, of unblocking and unlocking frozen stuck places in my own body and emotional life and just blew me away. So I decided I wanted to do that training and along the way have juggled many different kinds of jobs. I can imagine. Uh, which, yeah, which has um, somehow come together to me working on creating my own career and my own path. Yeah. Um, doing devotional paintings, also teaching personal growth and development and memoir writing online um, and free intensive e-courses which are so fun to offer and yeah so it's it's just it's just flowing out of me and I know definitely my path towards this place it's led me here but it's a bit of a mystery how and why honestly (laughs) I love that you I love that you that you that you're honest about that and I also just want to I just want to go back to a bit of your story there. Did you say that you, after you had your baby, when you were like a new single mum, you did that? Did going to Toronto mean moving across the country? Well, so um, I'll give you a bit of context about what it means to be a Yukoner. Yeah, the Yukon. The Yukon is one of the three northern territories of Canada, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. the three territories sits of, above the ten provinces. So. When most people think of Canada, they often don't think of the North at all, even Canadians. Um, To give some context, the Yukon Territory is beside Alaska. So it's quite far north. And in this entire territory, which is really big, there are only 35,000 people. And 29,000 of them live in the capital city, Whitehorse. And I grew up downtown Whitehorse. So... Yukoners are pretty well-traveled, especially ones that are born and raised in the Yukon, because if you want to go to university, you have to leave. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, and there's, there's some really good governmental support because of that fact. Mm-hmm. We do have a college there now, um, which does do some, some good trainings, but for most university degrees, you still have to go away. So I'd been in a habit of going and coming back since I finished high school. So when I was pregnant, finishing my bachelor's degree, I was in Mon- Montreal. Mm-hmm. Okay. Then I went home to stay with my parents, have my daughter and stay with my parents the first few months mm-hmm. back to the Yukon. And then I went to Toronto with my daughter when she was 11 months to do my master's degree. Wow. <laughs> and so on and so forth. And always back for the summers because I love it mm. up there. Wow. Yeah. It's pretty, it seems pretty brave to me moving with an 11 month old to a new city to take up something that you're passionate about. (laughs) Yeah, it didn't, it didn't really cross my mind that it was out of the ordinary (laughs) one. I was 24. (laughs) You know, like I was was very single minded and it was going to happen somehow. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. And that's a thread that I see running through. You know, just to reflect that back to you, that's what I hear when you talk this story and you 
um and you kind of say you're not quite sure why it happened and I totally hear and respect that and I see this thread of I'm gonna follow my passion or my you know yeah where my (laughs) it's funny yeah I I like that you see that because I've also seen a real resistance to following that guidance in my own life as well Mm -hmm. like learning lessons the hard way I could have just uh often I yeah I've I've tried to be more normal and regular Mm -hmm. feel feeling like following the guidance would set me on a path that would be too difficult. The old, the irony being that I was never successful at fitting in and just doing the regular thing anyways, but I caused a fair bit of grief for myself by resisting the impulse Mm-hmm, to be c- courageous sooner or take the leap sooner mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah yeah and I totally relate to that in a way as well I think <laughs> yeah. so in uh, as well in much of your journey um you also became a carpenter um well no an apprentice so a little backstory to that um, <laughs> yes please <laughs> it takes it takes yeah, <laughs> I, my dad was a carpenter, and I grew up mm. around it. Our house was never finished; it was always being renovated and mid-creation because my dad was incredibly creative. And um, and then, of course, the saying: a, a cobbler's children are always barefoot. A carpenter's house is never done. Mm. Uh, you know, it's true. <laughs> <laughs> so. Um, So I grew up around carpentry and I took woodwork class in junior high school and and industrial arts and really enjoyed it Um, and wanted to be an architect in high school. Uh, And my dad mentored my brothers who are both carpenters, but not me. And I was really angry with him for a really long time. and finally, I just decided I, I needed some work again because being self-employed is up and down. And, yeah. and sometimes it was just for a sense of security. So I just decided I'll just work in carpentry. Plus, I would at some point like to build my own house. Um, so on and off, I've worked in it for over two years. But to become an actual carpenter, you have to do a full-time four-year apprenticeship. Wow. So I can't say I'm a carpenter, but I can say that I'm an apprentice carpenter. Oh, okay. And along the way, you talk about how, you know, you got a few lessons out of it. Yeah. You a few <laughs> lessons out of it. Do you want to share that with our with the listeners? Please? Sure. Yeah. Because <laughs> interestingly, it circles back around to this abiding fascination I have with healing and creativity and the body. Um, and so working in carpentry is, is hard physical work. And you have to follow a process. You know, if you do it wrong, the house will fall down. <laughs> there are big consequences to skipping steps and doing it wrong. And also you're working in little teams. So what I, a challenge I've found for myself, which maybe especially super creative listeners might be able to relate um, to is 
that I've often in my projects hit a, a frustration point where I get so frustrated and overwhelmed, I want to quit. But because I can be quite clever, I've found ways around going through the steps necessary. So I kind of skip the steps and carry on. And it looks like I'm doing a project or the process or learning the techniques, but I know that I've skipped some steps. And mm -hmm. um, so if I don't get really frustrated and give up or used to, I would, I would know that I was not really following through the way that I wanted to in order to build a good foundation of skills. Mm -hmm. So doing carpentry, um, I would hit that point of frustration with learning something new or the repetitiveness of practicing a task over and over, trying to get better at it. And um, I couldn't give up <laughs> the way I might on my own because number one, that would be rather embarrassing, <laughs> you know, and, and, and number two, if it's a job and you're being paid uh -huh. and there's other pe people watching and when you're doing an apprenticeship, you're being, kind of watched all the time because you have to be taught constantly so you can't really get away with skipping steps or sneaking past the the thing you have to do in order to get to the results so um what i learned was how to deal with frustration without getting overwhelmed and giving up how to break things down into the small steady steps that need to be done in order to um, get to where I wanted to go or create what I want to create and um, a lot more faith in the process so that's all translated to um, the creative embodied healing work I do because I feel more steady and mm -hmm. and able to see something through from start to finish and mm. I feel more proud of my accomplishments too because mm. mm. yeah. you you're doing them the way you wanted is it that kind of thing mm -hmm. yeah thank you I for that <laughs> i want to track yeah. back on the on the carpentry because are we talking about um building whole houses out of wood is that the kind of the kind of carpentry we're talking yep. about yep yeah. okay i don't think that that's yeah and, and yeah. it also <laughs> it, in, it includes building concrete foundations too. Ah, okay. So mm. it's kind of like okay, because you're building, you're building wooden houses in. Is that it? Just that's what you do in Canada, right? Yeah. Well, so carpentry um, is building houses of whatever form. It, oh. It's often wood because wood is amazing. But um, depending, or you know, a lot of carpenters in cities they're working on high-rise structures, which are almost all concrete. Oh, um, and you call so that carpentry. That, oh, there you go. Yeah. I'm glad I clarified that. In in the UK, we wouldn't call that carpentry. In oh. the UK, the carpentry would be like um, just a woodwork. It would just be, it would be a woodwork. Yeah. yeah. Is that the mm. same? In, is that the same in Tanzania? I think it is, right? No, it is no? the same in Tanzania. Yeah. When you say carpentry, it's just specific woodwork, and that's your furniture. It's not even associated with building a house. Oh, okay. Yeah, in Canada and the United States, it's it's building a house from start to finish, uh -huh. um, okay. in whatever form it takes, and it does mm -hmm. usually involve a lot of wood. So there's different specializations. There's like Finnish carpenters. 
they do the fine detail work at the end stage. There's framing carpenters who, who start, who just frame the house and leave it at that. There's people that do mostly form work, which is concrete foundations and walls. And then there's people that do it all, but you have to learn it all in order to call yourself a, a journeyman carpenter. Wow, that's fascinating. <laughs> yeah, it's quite amazing. <laughs> yeah, it's amazing that that's so different as well. Mm -hmm. I love that little fact that I learned. <laughs> I think it probably has to do with the fact that we generally don't build houses out of wood in this part of the world. Yeah, it's more and brick, right? Yeah, it's mostly brick. Brick, concrete, yeah, people obviously build structures out of concrete, but I don't think we've ever had a massive tradition of wood. Maybe, maybe in the past, but certainly not in the sort of recent history because you ran out of forests probably <laughs> it could be that it could be, yeah. and we never had enough as, for this situation yeah. right you as for tanzania as for tanzania wood is just not friendly it's too hot yeah oh that's also true. interesting it's extremely hot in a wooden house you won't <laughs> yeah it won't last uh, 20 no, minutes yeah, <laughs> like a and like a tr structure like structures in the villages are more would be more like mud the, yeah they're more mud exactly because yeah, it's cooler they're I guess. more mud right yes yeah. exactly uh -huh. but unless and unless they're the, the cooler areas like your your southern part like but still i think everything is still concrete you only have wood as finishing inside yeah the house. inside the house oh, okay I, yeah, I yeah and then the roofing yeah yeah, sometimes we, I can think of wooden structures here, like, but not, it's not a sort of significant thing. So for us, mm. carpentry is definitely more about the mm -hmm. Mm, there we go. Yeah. <laughs> Very yeah, interesting. interesting. <laughs> I want to bring you around to one um, one of the things that you offer around. Well, I, not not an exact offering, but I know that some of your offerings online are around sort of memoir and our own stories mm -hmm. and and I'm working with people on their own life stories and I'm interested. Yeah. In some you know work I've done. I um. Uh, co-founded a story a, a thing called the story party in London which is like a storytelling event which is a oh, fun story as well and I'm just interested in just why you started you know to work in that way with people and just a little bit about that and also tell us where while, while you're telling us that tell us where people can find you if they're interested in finding out more <laughs> Oh yeah, um, I can be found at JanelleHardy.com. That's my first and my last name, which is J-A-N-E-L-L-E-H-A-R-D-Y.com. Mm -hmm. cool. And so my story work, which I call personal myth-making, mm -hmm. it's, um, it's a fun story, I think, because I, originally I thought I wanted to teach um, intuitive painting, like just free, freer painting as a way for people to get unstuck and I came up with about four or five different kinds of workshops that I wanted to offer in person mm -hmm. in my little town this was mm -hmm. I think this was three years ago and one of and when I create offerings I just I can feel that something's brewing inside and I just let it cook away because if I rush it it goes nowhere but if I know something's cooking away I just pay attention to that internal energy and then there's a turning point where it feels like something's ready to be born into the world and then I write it down and it all comes out really fast so when I was coming up with these 
course ideas, these living room workshops, that was a similar process. And then one of the workshops that popped out was personal myth making, including the name. It just showed up and it was like, ooh, we'll just explore ancestry and where we come from and creative writing and how investigating our personal stories um, can create healing by shifting and rewriting. And so, so I presented this offering and mentioned it to a few people and I thought everyone would sign up for the painting workshop mm -hmm. and no one would sign up for personal myth making it just it that one just showed up and I thought oh I like this um and it turns out that I think four or five people signed up for personal myth making no one signed up for my painting workshops <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> and I so I thought okay well I'm gonna give it a try what the heck am I doing <laughs> <laughs> so I would just make up the lessons the the night before it was a class a week for eight weeks mm -hmm. and I loved it it was so fun and there was a lot of freedom in it because it was new and people just signed up based on a small description I didn't have anything set in stone so I felt like I got permission to play and experiment with what I was teaching mm -hmm. and then the feedback I got from it was just so great so another year and a bit went by and then the thought that I could teach online showed up and personal myth making popped back into my head. Mm -hmm. so, so I thought, oh, I really could teach this online. And I still didn't have a sense that memoir writing was part of it. Mm -hmm. But the first time I tried to offer it online, because there's a community component to the course, I needed a certain number of people to sign up and I only got three people signing up and I felt like I needed six to run it. So I, I said, you know, I can give you a refund or we can put your money towards the next round or um, so everyone chose putting it towards the next round except one woman. And I had also said, or we can try and experiment and do this work one on one and see what arises. Mm -hmm. um, so she said, well, let's try one-on-one. -on -one. And I thought, okay, here we go. I don't really know how this is going to go, but <laughs> she, she signed up for it. And so it was, a, it was a process of conversations on video with me sending her writing prompts based on the themes that I had identified. Mm -hmm. And then I would send her writing prompts based on what she specifically wanted to explore in her own life based on those themes. Mm -hmm. And what I discovered by the end of it was that there was over 12,000 words in uh, not that long of a process that, that, that she wrote without a lot of pain or effort. Mm -hmm. And so it was in, it was basically a rough draft of her life story of her memoir. Mm -hmm. And when I looked at that, I, it really astonished me and blew me away. And I thought, wow, this is the side effect of this course, mm -hmm. which I didn't even foresee. So I actually just finished teaching personal mythmaking online um, last week. Mm -hmm. And it was beautiful and really quite amazing that so much material pours out of people in the process that by the end, there it is. I mean, it's not a complete memoir by any means, but it's a real body of work that's really beautiful.
Mm. Wow. Fascinating. Fascinating. Okay. <laughs> Sounds like you're supporting them to, yeah, to bring their story out in a kind of easy way. Yeah, yeah. to bring it out with inquiry and exploration and mm. and the ease was the most delightful part because people often get so daunted by these big projects or just the idea of your life story and your memoir yeah. right it the sounds so huge right exactly <laughs> yeah so just the way that, that i built the creative writing prompts into the process and got people to keep them numbered so we could keep track of them it meant that you didn't even really have to think about the fact that you were building something big, which mm-hmm. now, just now I'm realizing I can circle back to this idea of learning how to build a house and mm-hmm. settling into the small tasks mm-hmm. instead of thinking yeah. of the, the, yes, the final product. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The final product. Exactly. So I wanted to ask you, Janelle, we always like to ask people like how, how they look after themselves and relax. That's always, uh, we always like to ask that near the end of our show. So yeah, what are the things, yeah, what are the things that, that you did to look after you um, in the middle of your being a mom and carpenting, carpentry, oh, that's mm-hmm. not the right word, being a carpenter and um, doing your online work and your healing work. How do you look after Janelle? Oh, well, so can, first confession is I'm not always successful at keeping that at the top of the list. Mm-hmm. Um, but generally, the things that really lift my spirit are walking in forests, mm-hmm. spending, spending time in nature, um, dancing, always dancing. Mm-hmm. Me too. Americanos. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I really, I'm not, I'm not, I wouldn't say I'm a daily coffee person, except I love an Americano, mm-hmm. which, you know, some coffee shops in Canada try to call Canadianos. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. And I've heard, I've heard Africano as well, but I'm... I'm okay. Really? Oh. <laughs> I like to try those. <laughs> <laughs> That's probably what they should Africano. <laughs> yeah. So, but, but everyone knows what an Americano is, so that's usually how I order it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so I really, uh, and, you know, if I'm spending time with my mom or my family, then like a really nice pot of loose leaf black tea, like really good tea in a teapot, sitting down. So the, the ritual of a hot drink feels mm. like self-care to me. Mm-hmm. Mm. Um, and then when I have access to more resources, massage mm-hmm. and eating really good food, like going on a restaurant adventure to mm. experience amazing food feels so good. Yeah. Me too. Yeah. <laughs> all <of them. laughs> and we all love that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah and I mean making art but that that almost that doesn't really fit in self-care anymore it's just a non-negotiable almost yeah yeah. part of the work that relaxes you I suppose yeah Mm. but I'm curious what you guys do for (laughs) self-care go on (laughs) (laughs) now to be quite honest my self-care is I sleep (laughs) 
Oh, sleep. Yeah, that too. <laughs> I completely lock myself up, switch off my devices and just have a good seven hours sleep. <laughs> uh-huh. That's your only one. <laughs> That's yeah. my only one. I mean, I get seven hours. I am so relaxed. I can't ask for anything else. <laughs> But once in a while, yeah, nature, um, love traveling. Um, so whenever I get time, again, I'll, I'll just uh, come out of where I am, come out of this shell and just go and relax somewhere else. You know, mm-hmm. see different people, talk to different people. That absolutely just relaxes me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and a good book and a yeah, pot of tea. Yeah, all that too, yeah. <laughs> So yeah. I'm going to differ on the tea. I don't like tea. Uh, um, <laughs> I like like well, what my mum calls like funny tea, um, but I don't like like black. I don't like black tea, um, ah. but I do like dancing, and I I uh-huh. like swimming as well, and I like um, I also like walking in nature, and and I like we have some small woodlands, although we live in the city in London. Oh um, yeah, like it's actually a cemetery. But there's a bit of woodland in there. I really love to go there. Like, and that's like a, you know, I can get there in five minutes. So that's like a really possible mm. thing as well. Of course, uh-huh. people love to go away for a few days somewhere different. But just thinking of like the daily things that are possible for me, those are important yeah. ones. Maybe taking a long bar and also yeah. turning, off my de- turning off all the devices and stuff. I think that feels really important to me. And it's something... Um, I've been speaking to a few people about recently. It's mm. that sense of, um, we talked about it on the show last week, I think. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Just that, just, just having that as a, as a, as a cutoff sometimes, I think it does feel, it does feel important. Yeah. Well. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I agree. I was actually thinking we should make a list of all the things people say. The other, <laughs> yeah, it's a good resource. Because yeah, people yeah. say you all, all kinds of things. Can we ask this? Absolutely, <laughs> to relax. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. You know one one thing that people tell me like we live in a tropical country. Yeah, mm. um, we have vast like beaches but funny enough that never actually comes to as number one list of relaxation (laughs) for me (laughs) if you live in 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 somewhere that's as hot as dar es salaam going to the beach is a bit of a ridiculous thing right it is very ridiculous (laughs) half of the time you're sunburned exactly Maybe sitting at a cafe or a bar by the beach, fine. Exactly, <laughs> yeah. Okay. But going there and lying in the sun, I think when I lived there, I don't think I ever did that. Or maybe I did it only when people came to visit from London. Mm, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so it's such I mean, a novelty when you're right. it's a not novelty, from... Yeah. <laughs> But yeah. when you live in 40 degree yeah but then yeah like you know different parts you know appreciation for different things mm-hmm. i suppose yeah, yeah. that's true <laughs> oh it's been so good talking yeah. to you janan thank you for sharing with us about all, all the interesting things in your yeah. life oh it was fun thank you for inviting me you're very welcome
And our theme tune over and over was written and performed by Eleanor Brown, who you can find at eleanorbrownmusic.com. <laughs>